my mom was very much a person who, if there were a problem in front of her, she didn't just find one option. She found six. Right. I mean, she, she was, and, and actually I think I inherited that from her. Um, and then it was, okay, so, so which of those options look good? And then it was, which one is worth, so which one are you going to pick to try first? Welcome to the Prosperity Perspective by DML, a conversation about how successful business owners invest their hard-earned money to preserve their wealth and what they might have done differently in hindsight. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Today, we are joined by Bobby, and she has a uh, quite an incredible story to share with us about her journey, uh, where she's been, uh, how she's triumphed over that, and uh, kind of reset her uh, perspective, expectations, and uh, you know, achieve some incredible things. So without further ado, Bobby, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Well, thanks, Josh, for having me on. My name is Bobby Kaler. I am a self-leadership coach. And so what I do is I work with people on things like mindset, accountability. Um, I had someone tell me recently that what I really help people do the most is find new possibilities that were kind of hiding in plain sight for themselves, Um, which I kind of like that because I think that a lot of our success comes from finding new options, you know, and exploring those. Um, So that's just a little bit about me. I've also partnered with a company for the last, I don't know, 13 years where I've worked in corporate America, worked with some of the biggest brands on the planet, like American Airlines, you know, Merck Pharmaceuticals. So I have a lot of experience in that realm as well. but I really love, I'm making a shift working much more with entrepreneurs now because I, I like the, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur myself and I love that mindset. Very cool. How did you get to the point where you got this successful leadership uh, business? Uh, I'm sure it didn't happen overnight, right? And there's probably some catalyst along the way, right? And so what did that journey look like for you? Oh my goodness. It was a long journey. You know, I'll be very honest there. I would say in 2000, I decided to go on my own, start my own business because I loved training. And I thought that's what I want to do more of. And, and then and a year later, my then boyfriend, now husband, he, he joined. And it kind of kept morphing into, well, what, what does the market need now? What are the people that we're serving need? What do they need? What do they need now? And that's kind of how we got started. And it's just been this journey of continuing to evolve you know, what do we need? What does the market need? And then, and then uh, just providing that. And um, for me, I have a very deep passion that goes back to my own experience of, I kind of operate from three fundamental truths. And the first one is that the future can be changed. And, and that came from, I mean, I grew up in, a, I wouldn't say poor, I'd say very humble right? My, my father worked. He was a superintendent on uh, construction jobs. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. It was awesome. We lived on a self-sufficient farm in Missouri, but my parents didn't believe in education. They didn't believe. I had to fight with my mom to stay in high school. <laughs> she wanted me to quit. She's like, you don't need it. And so college wasn't even on the radar for me. Like no one in my immediate family had ever gone to college, but I wanted to go. And I was 23. I couldn't figure out a way to go. I was, I was working two jobs, barely keeping my head above water. And I'm like, there has to be a way forward. There just has to be a way forward. And I remember one night, it was a New Year's Eve. I was sitting in my apartment and I thought, how did my life end up this way? And I think at 23, I was really kind of hoping for, you know, someone to blame maybe. (laughs) And, but the answer that came back to me was 
Your life is a reflection of the choices that you've made so far. And as I sat with that, I'm like, that's awesome because there's so much hope embedded in that because all that meant to me was, okay, so if I learn how to make better choices and see different choices, I can get a better result. And I think that's where these fundamental truths come from. So the first one is that the future can be changed because, you know, we have to believe that if we don't believe that nothing else happens because we won't work towards it. The second one is that you can change your future. Like, I think when I was 23, I was kind of waiting for someone else to show up and do that for me. And the painful epiphany was, no, you, it was also a hopeful epiphany. You can do that. You can be your own hero. And I deeply believe that. At this point, I've coached more than 3,000 people in my life. And I actually stopped counting about four years ago. So I'm like, why am I counting when I could be out skiing? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I'm like, so I know this to be true. We can own this. We can change our own future. And then the third thing is that we don't have to wait. You know, we can learn whatever we need to learn along the way, because most of what we need to learn, it's just skills and even, even attitudes, beliefs. These are skills that we can learn with the right amount of help and the right amount of work. So that's kind of where I operate from. And, um, and, and like I said at the beginning, it's, it, it's not a straight path from where I started to where I am now. But does that kind of answer the question? It does. So, <laughs> so you, you went from this place where you were working multiple jobs, you know, yeah. dreading water, trying to figure out how to accomplish what was important to you, which was different than the family. Um, eventually, somewhere you got to, you know, having the successful business, right? So along the way, as you started having this, you know, additional income, right, the ability to make choices, what did you do with that, right? Like, where did you choose to invest? And, um, you know, how did you use that to propel you to where you are today? Yeah. It's funny because when you asked that, I had a clear, clear vision. Um, a couple of years after, because I left Southwest Missouri, and, and I thought at the time I wanted to become an attorney. And so I thought, well, I'm going to move back to Illinois. That's where I was born. And I'm going to get a job at a law firm because then I could, you know, start networking. And that was a good strategy. It was a great strategy, as it turns out, because it didn't take me very long to realize I don't want to be an attorney. But, you know, but I was making good money. I was a legal assistant. And I remember I took a job in Chicago and um, they gave me a raise like three months in. They gave me a substantial raise. And it was the first time where I had excess money, only working one job. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So immediately I came up with this plan for how I could pay off my car, which was my one and only debt at the time. But how could I really put this money into me going to college? And so that's how I really started investing in myself. And, and ironically, I wanted to go to college so bad that I thought, I don't care what the class is. It could have been mechanics. I just wanted to go to college. And the only class that worked with my schedule was a psychology class. And I thought, well, I don't really want to take psychology, but I'll take it because it's there. And then, you know, that kind of started this love affair and with psychology and adult learning and leadership and coaching. And so I put myself all the way through through college, including my master's degree. So I think I think we Rick and I, my husband, we have both heavily invested in ourselves because we always thought that that was how we were going to ultimately get better results. So not just not just college, but like you know, entrepreneurial conferences that we've gone to coaching, you know, as we've hired coaches, because it's like, this is the vehicle. So this is how we're going to move forward. And so we've, that's, that's what we always primarily invested in 
first, you know, so that's, that's how I, what I'd say to that. So once you had that excess income and you knew you wanted it to go to college, did you put it away and save until you earned enough to essentially do what you wanted to do? Or did you try to take that money and, uh, you know, make it make more money for you so that you could get there quicker, right? Like what was the mindset at the time for you? You know, at the time it was, I applied it right to college, you know, cause I was, you know, I started at a community college and that was pretty easy. I think in hindsight, you know, because now we have the rental properties and stuff. And now I'm more on the mindset of, you know what, it's good to invest that money, let that make money. And then you can go faster. But that was, you know, that was, I don't know, 30 years ago. I wasn't even aware of some of this, this stuff now, you know, yeah. so at the time that was the approach we took now, it would probably be different. Well, it's also difficult, right? In that sort of situation, there's a short-term need for the money, right? Yeah. Uh, and so you you can't necessarily do the rental thing uh, because no. it's going to tie up your capital, right? And then your choice is, do you do college in 30 years or do you do college, right? And it's like, <laughs> that was not the goal, right? At the That's time. right. And it was so. already so painful because I'd waited, like, I didn't start college until I was 25. So that already felt like such a long time. Yeah. So as you kind of progressed, right? So it sounds like uh, work, earn some extra cash, put it towards investment in yourself. Uh, the psychology bug kind of bit yeah. you in terms of learning about human nature. Um, obviously, continued success. How did that then change, right? At some point, college was was done, done right? Uh, or you finished the master's piece. Then, you know, then how did you look at uh, investing in yourself or investing for the future? Kind of what was your thought process at that point? Yeah. So both my husband and I, we both finished grad school in 2010. We were living in Chicago and actually it was 2009 because it was before we graduated. And we started really thinking about what do we want for the future? And, and that can be a really hard question to answer. So I don't know if you've ever done this, but we did a vision board. I don't know if you've ever done that very powerful, you know, and it's, you know, we started clipping out pictures of magazines and hanging them up on the little cork board. And then you go through and you, you categorize them and then you look for themes. And as we were, we stepped back from it and there were things like on there that, you know, financial freedom that was on there, health and fitness that was on there. Um, Being in a position where we would be earning our income based on performance because we knew we didn't want to be in a job that controlled us. You know, we had a lot of friends that did the, you know, eight to eight to eight. (laughs) You know, they're just waiting for the two week vacation. We're like, no, we're not doing that. And we wanted, and so as we stepped back from this vision board, Rick said, wow, what we're really talking about here is creating the life that we love to live every single day. And, and, and that's, and that's, that led to the move out here to Colorado. And what are we being really intentional with what do we want now? Because our basic needs are covered. So what do we want now? And then that over time, because, you know, we've continued to do well, we've invested in, I shared with you, you know, we've done some fix and flips. We, we have the rental properties, we make investments. Um, but now we're pretty lucky. You know, we, we have what we want. I live two minutes from the Nordic Center because cross-country skiing is my thing. And so I can go skiing as much as I, I my goal this year is to hit 100 days. I came close a couple of years ago, um, but we also get to give to our community, you know, not, and not just with money, but with our time, 
you know, and I think that that is incredibly rewarding is, is when we get to do that. And, but, but I think it comes down to, it's not just financial freedom, but it's also the time freedom, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it seems like there was a uh, cathartic moment coming out of the grad school where it was uh, almost a lifestyle design exercise. Um, oh yeah. Uh, and a big overhaul. Um which then kind of uh, set the expectations, right, for time and money. Where did you guys end up in terms of uh, kind of your strategic framework of how you wanted that to break down and, and what was important to you? And uh, the vision board sounds like it was a good piece that helped you get to that outcome of where you are today. Were there other elements uh, that you guys kind of embarked on together that, you know, helped get you to this place of, uh, lifestyle design as opposed to, you know, reactive to, you know, job consumerism, et cetera. Yeah. I think there were things, there have been so many things that have come up along the way. Um, what immediately came to mind there is Rick and I have this in our partnership. It's we're willing to discuss the undiscussable. We're willing to think about the unthinkable. And an example of that is how many years, it was three years ago, we were living in Evergreen, Colorado. And we had, we lucked out, we had a short, we, had, we got a house that was on a short sale, it was two acres, we had a view of the Continental Divide. Everyone called it a million dollar view, and it was. And then we put money into it, we, we re, redid the house. I mean, it was the dream house, it, just completely beautiful. And, um, but we realized we can't go skiing from where we are, we had to drive at least two and a half to three hours each way to go skiing and, and to go biking. It was, you know, an hour and a half of driving. And so we're like, I remember one day I said to Rick, I'm like, how could we spend more time up in the high country, which is where we are now? And we're like, well, maybe we could find a way to have a cabin. And we're like, but, but why, why have a cabin when this is where we want to be? And we're like, can we, and, and at first we're like, well, we can't even consider selling this dream house. And it took us a couple of weeks. And then we're like, truly, we can't consider selling it because how would that set us up? I mean, it was the best thing we could have done. I mean, it financially, it completely flipped things because we could buy something up here so much cheaper and, and we downsized, but it's that discussing the undiscussable, thinking about the unthinkable that will open up those new options. And I think that's, I think that's one of the strategies that we've used. Are there other elements that have been kind of unthinkable? Like what are those other examples of those, <laughs> you know, tough conversations that uh, it's like, do we talk about it? Do we not talk? Right. Um, yeah. That create incredible change. I'm sure. Um, oh my goodness. But, probably immense fear in, you know, even addressing it. Yeah. Okay. So here's one that is, it might seem silly, but when you talk about a revolutionary change, so I'm 55, my husband's 50 and five years ago. So it was right before my 50th birthday, I was having incredible back pain so bad that like, it was hard for me to put my socks on in the morning. Like, that's how bad it was. That's how tight my back was. I'd gone through physical therapy. I was doing my exercises. You know, I didn't want to have to take pain medications because then it's like, oh, geez, you know, what happens after that? It's a, it's, to me, it's a downward spiral. I mean, sometimes you have to do that, but I didn't want to. 
So Rick had been doing research and he came to me and he said, I think we're eating too many carbs. I'm like, I'm not giving up bread. <laughs> that was my first thing I said to him, no way. And so he kept, and he kept coming, you know, it took like, it took four and a half months to convince me. And he's like, Bobby he said, I really think it's worth trying. He said, I think we need to reduce our carbs. And so finally, I, it was like mid-April, I'm like, fine. And I, I think I said fine, because I just wanted them to stop harping about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I said, fine, I'm willing to try it. And remind me, I want to come back to that, because that's a really important piece of this, the experiment, the trying it. So we cut out our carbs, um, no breads, no pastas initially. Um, we really reduced our carb intake. It wasn't like we went to no carb. In one week, I went from, I couldn't put my socks on in the morning to zero back pain. I mean, that's incredible. In that's amazing. one week. And I'm like, okay. And then I noticed my energy was better. Um, within, I don't know, within like six or seven weeks. And this was not the goal, but I had lost so much weight. I had to go buy new clothes because literally they were, they were falling off of me. I mean, so that was however many years ago. I'm 55 now. I'm 40 pounds, 45 pounds lighter than I was five years ago. And I'm not dieting, you know, and my energy's better. And I think about, think about how that changed our life though, because if my back still hurt that way, I wouldn't be doing the road cycling. I wouldn't be doing the cross-country skiing. I live on a lake where I go paddle boarding. Absolutely a revolutionary change. But it took him being willing to say, I know we're not going to necessarily like this, but maybe it's worth trying. And here's the thing. This is why I say the trying, the testing, the experiment is so important. And this is something I know from coaching as well. If he had said to me, we're going to make a change. We're never going to eat carbs again. Think about how much I would have dug my heels in even more than I did. But if you say to someone, Hey, are you willing to try it? Are you willing to give this? Are you really willing to experiment with it? That's a very different thing because now I can experiment with it. I can see what the results are. As soon as my back pain went away, I mean, and, and it just didn't, it just didn't just go away. Like my belt, my back felt fluid. Like, wow. It, I could just move with ease. Why? Why would I not make a change at that point? So you see what I mean? Yep. And that makes, that makes perfect sense. Is there anything that you've done over the course of the years to be open to that experiment and that change and that conversation, right? So uh, obviously it took four and a half months. So this was something that was really <laughs> dear to your heart, right? The yeah. carbs and the bread, but yeah. um, you know, uh, how do you prep yourself to, you know, identify or be open to those, you know, experimental items that people are suggesting to yeah. help you get to this revolutionary change? That is a really good question. Um, I think it goes back to something I learned. My mom was very much a person who, if there were a problem in front of her, she didn't just find one option. She found six. Right. I mean, she, she was, and, and actually I think I inherited that from her. Um, and then it was, okay, so, so which of those options look good? And then it was, which one is worth, so which one are you going to pick to try first? My mom was super big on the word yet. Cause I grew up when I, when I was growing up, I had really bad speech problems. But when I was six years old, a speech pathologist told us, he's like, she's never going to talk correctly. Like, just forget it. Like, there's no hope, <laughs> you know? 
And, and so I would struggle with words as I was growing up. Like I couldn't say the word milk for crying out loud. And I remember one day I said to mom, I can't say that word. And she said, you can't say it yet. And so I think that that was a mindset that I've had from an early age because of, because of both of my parents, actually, you know, where it's, it's just, this is something we're going to try. And if you're willing to try something, you will learn something. And if you learn something, you just opened up new doors, potentially. Nice. Any thoughts that you have in terms of people who might not have had that opportunity in their upbringing in terms of, um, you know, a lot of people are told they can't, right. Or, uh, you know, um, push to conform to the system, right. Um, because conformity allows the system to run smoothly, right. In a variety of different ways. Right. And so for those that don't have that, um, that fire within that's been instilled with them, right. Either as a kid or, you know, to, you know, uh, fight back out against, you know, the conformity, any thoughts on how they go about opening their mind to something like that? Yeah. I think a couple of things first is to really catch how we're talking to ourselves. So anytime that, and, and I still do this for myself, it's not like I'm, you know, impervious to this, but when I'm, I really, I tune into what I'm thinking um, about what I'm about to do. And if I say, if I find myself saying something like, well, I can't do that. I immediately stop and say, I can't do it yet. So there, and I know it seems like a simple shift, but it opens things up. So that's one really tuning into our own self-talk because it plays a big, big part in things. Another thing is just saying to, to really view it as I'm going to experiment with this. Don't put the pressure on yourself to make a change or to become something new. Say, I'm going to experiment with this. And this experiment might work and it might not work. And either one of those outcomes is totally okay. It doesn't matter because here's the thing. If that experiment doesn't work, guess what? You have learned something new. And so therefore, in my mind, it has worked, right? Because anytime we learn something new, that's a victory. And so so really thinking about it as just an experiment. And on that note, anytime we're in an experiment with something, give it at least three tries. There's something really powerful about it. And I learned this because of cross-country skiing. I, you know, Growing up in the Midwest, everything's flat. And I never skied back there. So I come out here, I'm in the Rocky Mountains, I'm at 9,000 feet, nothing's flat. So I used to love to stay where everything was flat. Well, you have real limited space where you can ski. So when I'm about to go down a big hill, I'm scared to death, right? I remember last year, I went down another big one and I was terrified. And so what an instructor told me is the first time you go down a big hill, you're just trying to get through it right? You just want to get, get down the hill and, and prove to yourself, I didn't die, <laughs> you know, because that's my fear. And so it's like, okay, so I made it down the hill. I didn't die. That's the first time down. The second time down is to prove to yourself that the first time wasn't a fluke, right? And it's not until at least the third time that you can start to evaluate, was that a good experience? Did I enjoy it? Was it fun? Is it something I want to repeat? And what they told me, and I've seen this in their other areas, is many times we stop after that first time, but the fear hasn't gone away after the first time. 
So that's what I want to coach people. It's like, you have to try it in a, a real try. It can't be a half-hearted try. You know what I mean, it's like, well, I tried that. It didn't work. But <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so that those are some of the things that come to mind for me. Very nice. As we are uh, coming to the end of our time here, Bobby, uh, you had mentioned kind of the three foundational, uh, you know, principles that you live by. Uh, we had talked a lot about lifestyle design, right? If you were to give, you know, a piece of advice or, you know, parting wisdom to the audience, you know, what would you give to them as they're, you know, either trying to figure out what to do uh, to make that next step right now that they've got, yeah. you know, income time uh, to get to, you know, continuing to evolve their life and their business, et cetera. Yeah. I think it comes down to something I see a lot when people feel stuck, right? And, and, and that happens to all of us at different times. When we're in that place, it can feel like a dark place. And, and, and sometimes it can feel like, you know, a place of despair. And, and there's varying degrees on that. But I always think about it this way. Action is the antidote to despair. So if you feel stuck, and maybe it's a mild stuck to a big stuck, it doesn't matter. But think about what is the simplest action I could take? And then take that action because that's how, it, that's how we start that cycle, because it's how we start learning and it's how we start moving forward. So I, I don't care where a person is, but think about what is the next action I could take and then just take the action. Do something, right? Do something. Uh, yeah. Doesn't matter what something is, right? Uh, as long as you're doing and learning along the way, yeah. it will be productive. Um, that's right. And that's the maximum that I've I've held in my personal life as well, right? Is yeah. uh, just do something. Um, that's right. Because you'll learn. You're going to learn something. Yeah. It may not be right. It probably won't be right. <laughs> that's okay. But you'll move in the right direction. Yeah. Right? That's really cool. I love yeah. that. And that, but Josh, what you're saying there is letting go of that attachment to it has to be right. Why? Yeah. If it moves us forward, it is right. Yeah. Um, For the listeners that want to connect back with you, what's the best way for them to be able to connect with you? Sure. Uh, Thanks for asking. It's uh, my web through my website, which is just bobbykaler.com. And then also I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn as well. Perfect. I appreciate you joining us today, Bobby, and look forward to staying in touch. That's awesome. Thanks for having me as a guest. Thank you for joining us today on The Prosperity Perspective. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please head over to theprosperityperspective.com, where you can hear from other successful business owners on their approach to investments. On our website, you'll be able to learn more about how DML Capital currently helps other business owners, like yourself, diversify their investments and grow their wealth. Take our short quiz to see if you're ready to take the next steps toward your financial success. 